We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. Y'all do me a favor, man. I, I just love to see this sea of black sitting right here. Let's give them a round of applause. It's a big decision, yes? Um, once you make it known, you made it known. <laughs> it's kind of like putting on a wedding ring. You know, when I, when I first got married, I can admit I'm a way better man. Now come talk to me about it. Um, but when I first got married, I felt a little com- uncomfortable with that ring on. I played football at the time, and nobody else on the football team was married, so it was weird. I, I had the pressure of the locker room on me. It's like, dude, you married? Yeah, man, I'm married. <laughs> like, once they see the ring, I can't take it back. Here's the thing. In the spirit realm, once you do this, you can't take it back. Uh, okay. Let's work quickly because we, we, we have more important business to take care of. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak for. I'm going to do good today. Uh, let, let's do um, 24 minutes. 24 minutes? Jordan, I only got two points. It's 24 minutes. Let's get it. <laughs> let's go to the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 9. You can write down Luke 24 and 2. I'll read it for you, and I'll put it on the screen, but I just want you to write it down. If this is your first time at TMC, we take notes. <laughs> I want you to walk out of here with something in your hand and something in your spirit. Colossians 2.9, the NIV. And write down Luke 24, NIV. 24 and 2. <clears throat> Just look up at me when you get it. Yeah? Oh, say it again. (laughs) Colossians 2, 9, NIV. Colossians 2, 9, NIV. Give me like those big bold eyes when you get it. Just like, let me know. All right, we're looking good on this side. It's always the left side that does better than the right side. Like, it is just, I guess, I don't know. I'm a left-handed person, so left is always better than right. Let's divide the church today. <laughs> Colossians 2.9, yes? Amen. I'll read for you. <clears throat> for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Somebody shout every power. power. And authority. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. In him, you were also circumcised with a, a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. 
when you were when you were dead in your sins and in the circumcisions of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Somebody shout real loud and say, today we cross over. Let's give the Lord some praise. How many, how many married people do we have in the room today? Raise your hand super high if you're, if you're married. Okay, that's good. Let's give the married people a round of applause. Keep your hand up. I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> of you that have your hands raised, which of you did not have a formal wedding as it relates to a ceremony? You didn't have a ceremony for your wedding. Keep your hands raised. Like, you didn't have a bridesmaid party, and you didn't have all that stuff. You just got married. We got some here. How long have you been married? Three years. Oh, wow, sir. How long have you been married? I confirm with the wife. It just makes better sense. How long have you been married, sir? Woo, get out of hand. I know. How long have you been married? She said, top that. <laughs> How long? 30 years? Amen. Eight years. 14. Let's give those a round of applause. What if I told you, just going to have a conversation, yes? What if I told you that because you did not have a formal wedding ceremony, that you were never truly married? <laughs> but what would you say to that if I told you, like, listen, since you didn't have the, the physical ceremony, you didn't have a bridesmaids, you know, group. You didn't have a groomsman. You, you didn't have the cake that didn't taste that great to begin with. Um, you, you didn't go through all of the physical stuff that you weren't truly married. That don't work, does it? Hear me on this. What makes a marriage legally binding is the marriage license. It is, it is a signed contract. It's, 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 it's not about the ceremony. It's about the contract. It's about the stuff that happens beyond the physical stuff that you get to see. That truly matters. Because here's the thing. Once, once that contract is executed, I'm married. Once I sign my, um, my license, I'm, I'm, I'm married. Regardless of what you see, if I execute the contract, Execute the covenant, I'm married. This is the kind of tension or debate or issue that Paul writes to in his letter that we just read. The, the Colossian church was made up of mainly Gentiles, and a Gentile is anyone who's not a Jew. 
So me and you are Gentiles. And they were, they were getting a lot of pressure. The Gentiles in the church were getting a lot of pressure from, from the Jew members of the church to be physically circumcised. Because remember, circumcision is a sign of the covenant. Circumcision in that day was your signature on the contract. Paul writes to the church and he says to them, listen, stop telling them that they have to be physically circumcised. They don't have to go back and get themselves circumcised physically because they've already been circumcised. They haven't been circumcised by human hands. They've been circumcised by Christ. Watch this because they were baptized. He says the, the, the circumcision that's necessary has already taken place because they were circumcised by Christ at their baptism. So stop telling them that they have to go back and do something physical for you to see. They don't have to prove anything to you because the proving has been already done in heaven. They've already been circumcised. They don't have to prove anything. When I get circumcised, and I have a note, and I want you to throw this up on the screen. Make sure I read it for you. <clears throat> a sincere baptism, listen to me now, a sincere baptism shows that a, that a circumcision of the heart has already taken place. A sincere baptism shows that a circumcision of the heart has already taken place. It's already done. I don't have to prove anything else. I don't have to do, do it exactly how, I don't have to prove my faith to anybody. I'm done already. Once the circumcision has been done by Christ, listen to me, y'all. That was the whole intention of physical circumcision in the first place. It was supposed to be symbolic of an inward disposition. So Paul teaches in the New Testament, he says, listen to me, they don't have to go back and fill in no, fill in no, no, no religious rites. They've already been circumcised by Christ, which, already, which should have already happened in everybody. But it hasn't happened in everybody because you're also concerned about what happens physically in front of people. And I'm telling you that the contract has already been signed in heaven because they've been baptized. Somebody shout baptism. That is the importance of what we're getting ready to do today. I'm getting ready to sign my contract. I'm getting ready to sign my marriage license with God. I'll, I'll put it better so you can understand it. I'll put it in today's terms. Um, um, when I get baptized, I, I, I've signed, sealed, and delivered my heart to him. And I don't have to prove anything else to anybody. Hmm, okay. I, I, I hear somebody being left the hook to think, okay, Pastor Wanza, once I get baptized, I'm good. No, 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 no. Once I get baptized, all I have to do is live like I'm under contract. You don't owe Pastor Wanza anything, but you just have to live like you're under contract. I'll break that down further. It means holiness. It means sanctification. 
If you want to call it being a saint, being a saint. If you want to call it being a holy roller, being a holy roller. But there is something about you that should change after baptism that lets the world know I am now in a relationship with God. I couldn't be the same guy I was once I put this ring on. Because I'm stating to the world, I'm off the market. <laughs> you can't be walking around with a lifestyle that lets the world know I'm still in the market for Satan. I can't engage with certain things anymore because I'm saying I'm off the market. I'm married. I'm taken already. I'm tied to somebody. I've signed a contract in heaven to let the world know, to let the spirit realm know that I'm off the market. And I don't engage that way anymore. So, Paul. He writes this letter to the Colossian church, and there's two things I want to talk quickly to that baptism symbolically represents. Let's go to verse 12. <clears throat> Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. I'll read that again. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Our first point today is the word gravesite. Somebody say that with me, gravesite. I have this note that I want you to write down. My baptism serves as a physical affirmation that I have chosen to put the old sinful me to death. My baptism serves as a physical affirmation that I have chosen to put the old sinful me to death. I got you. We don't leave people behind in this church. Keep writing. <laughs> I'll give you two seconds. Yes. In verse 12, Paul says that when, when you were baptized, you were buried with him. I was buried with him. Shout buried with him. I think this is common sense, but we can, we can talk through it. Um, you don't bury things that are still alive. You only bury dead things. And I guess the question beckons, well, Pastor Wanzel, if we're having this conversation, you know, specifically um, those are being baptized, if we're having this conversation, then who, who's going who's gonna to die? What, what's dying, right? Um, when you made the decision to give your life to Christ, believing that he lived, died, was buried, and was raised to life for you, at that moment, you were, your, old self was your old self that was dominated by sin was buried with Christ. I'll say it again. When you decided to believe upon him, and I'm talking to my candidates, when you decided to believe upon him and, and, and saying that, that, that he lived, that he died, he was buried, and he was raised to life for me, at that moment, the old me, my old sinful self, myself that was dominated by sin, was cast into the grave with Jesus. By believing upon him, I stripped off my old sinful self. 
and I cast him or her into the grave with Jesus. I thought that was deep. I, I, I never looked at salvation that way. I didn't look at that, that transaction that was taking place because it's just a few words, but you have to understand the transaction that's happening in the spirit realm. You're casting off your old self that was dominated by sin, that was burdened by sin, that couldn't help itself. You cast him or her off, and you cast her into the grave with Jesus. I'm talking about the, 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 the you that was dominated by lust, perversion, lying spirit, pride, generational curses, selfish ambitions. Watch me now. That you has been put to death, and your baptism is the graveside. Oh, God, check this out. Um, a grave is a place where things can't live. There is no life in the grave. So listen to me. When, 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 when you go down in that water, you are taking your old you to a place where it cannot live. I want you to hear that again. I'm, I, I'm taking the old me, the sinful me, the one that was dominated by I'm, I'm taking it down to a place where it cannot live, and I'm coming up free of him. Yeah. Somebody shout free. free. Free of the things that dominated you. Listen to me, y'all. Everything that dominates you doesn't dominate her. Everything that dominates him doesn't dominate her. I'm talking about the things that dominate you. I'm getting ready to suffocate those things and kill those things and destroy those things that have been destroying me all of my life. But on today, I'm putting those things in their grave. There's power in that water. There's, oh, I can't get ahead of myself. Oh, gosh. Okay. So here's what I want you to do today. Every candidate that's going to be baptized on today, I want you to say your final words and your last goodbyes because on today, that is the last time that you're going to see that person that was dominated by sin. If you got to cry a tear, cry a tear. If you, but, but what we're going to do that we're going to put it all to rest. So go ahead and say, I'll see you later. I don't, I don't remember you, and you don't dominate me anymore, and you can't have your way in me anymore because I have given my life to Christ. Amen. Somebody shout amen. amen. Let's get the second point of this very short sermon. Final point for the day. Let's go back to verse 12. I want you to catch the power in baptism, though, because it's not just a grave site, y'all. It's a great site. Let's go to verse 12. Watch this. <clears throat> Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. Point number two and our final point for today is the phrase, great sight. Something supernatural happens at baptism. And it is something that only God can do. And he only has the power to do. And that is to resurrect. Somebody didn't hear that. 
something supernatural takes place. There's a supernatural exchange that takes place that only God has the currency to, to cover. And that's a resurrection takes place. When you decide to, to, to die to that, that, that sinful man, the power of God, the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, raises you to life with him. Somebody shout power. It's a great sight because it's a miracle. It's a miraculous thing. Because we're getting ready to witness those who were once dead in their sins be raised, resurrected to life in Christ. But because I've been living on this earth a long time, um, I know that miracles can be missed. Because if you don't know what you're looking for, you can miss a miracle. I'll, I'll talk directly to you. The, the fact that you're still here is a miracle. Some of you feel that you don't have purpose, but if you're still here, it's a miracle. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that some of you that walked in here, you're a walking miracle. But every day you ask yourself why you're here. Every other week you're contemplating suicide. And you don't even know that you're a miracle. Do, do you see how easily that we can miss a miracle? I mean, it, it, is, it is a very easy thing for us to, 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 to not have the eyes to see this great sight. Because, because we're so bound by what we've experienced in the past, we can't notice what God just did. Let's go to Luke 24. I'll catch you up in the text because we're not going to read it all. After Jesus had died and he was, had been placed in, in the grave, um, there was three women um, that Luke records had, was heading down to his, his tomb um, on, early on a Sunday morning. Resurrection Sunday morning. And they made their way down there, and they were contemplating on the way down. It's like, hey, girl, who going to move this? Who going to roll the stone away? Like, we don't even know. We ain't strong enough to do it. Who's going to roll the stone away? And when they showed up, the stone was rolled away. And watch what happens on verse 24. Luke 24, 2. I'm sorry. Luke 24, 2. Watch what happens. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they, were, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, watch this, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. They came looking for the Jesus that walked into the grave, but they didn't have eyes to see the resurrected Jesus. Listen to me real quick, and I'm talking to my candidates on today. After today, stop looking for your resurrected self in dead places. I'm talking about those dead relationships that you were tied to. I'm talking about that dead thing that you used to do that wasn't producing any results. Stop looking for your resurrected self in dead places because you are no longer there. That no longer has bondage on me. I have been risen with Christ. 
somebody look around and say, I'm free. You see, that is what we have to get across to you on today. There is nothing that you were tied to. I don't care if it was lust. I don't care if it was perversion. I don't care if it was an addiction. It does not matter to me. Once you put it to death and you come back alive, don't look for yourself in that place anymore. (laughs) And when your family members and your friends come looking for your old self, tell them that he is not here. I'll come to this side. When your family members come to you to do the old thing that you used to do, tell them she's no longer here. She has risen because now she is free. She's not bound to this sin anymore. She's not bound to that drug anymore. Somebody in this building shall free. Shall free. Ah, I'm, I'm free of that thing that had my mother bound. I'm free of that thing that had my father bound. I'm free of that drug that had me bound. I'm free of that thing that took my brother's life. I'm I think there's two or three people that should be praising them a little bit better than that. You see, there's somebody in the building today that knows that they're going to be free. And I don't know about you, but if I can't get happy for them, somebody shall free. Somebody shall free again. Somebody shall free. Somebody shall free again. So listen to me. So stop looking at your father who was a bad example. Stop looking at your mother who couldn't hold it all together. Stop looking at that generational line of men who never succeeded. Somebody shout free. Because none of those things can withstand the power of God. The power of God. None of those things can withstand when you say, Lord, here I am. Take my life. It belongs to you. None of those things. Somebody shout free. Every perverted lifestyle, somebody shout free. Every ounce of lust, somebody shout free. Every generational curse, somebody shout free. Every mental issue, somebody shout free. 
Every power that's been holding you back, somebody shout free. Somebody shout free. Stand to your feet. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.